Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I am, as always, your host, Doug Winters. I hope everyone's having a terrific 2020, so Happy New Year to everybody. This is our 52nd podcast episode, which is kind of hard to believe, but I'm genuinely thrilled to start out the year with one of the world's foremost authorities on the wedding industry, the incredible Norma Cohn. I think right from the beginning, you'll see why I was so captivated by her honesty and candor and generosity. She is without doubt one of my favorite new people, and I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to have this podcast so that I can get to meet and introduce you to people as wonderful as the incomparable Norma Cohn. Good morning, Norma. Hi, good morning. So why don't you describe where we are community-wise? And Okay, so I am an event planner for an amazing group of people. Mm-hmm. It's fortunate that I was able to make a career out of one area of a two-mile radius. I've met amazing families. So your whole clientele is within this? I wouldn't say whole. They are definitely my lucky charm, you know, my beginning, and I'll go through life with them, God willing. But opportunities have started to open, not just in these, this area of Brooklyn. I'm getting a balance of both, which is quite enjoyable. So that's very unique that you have it. Like I'm that. definitely Brooklyn is a blessed. very unique yes. area. Very, very blessed. I really never had a business card. It was all word of mouth. And I always live by the statement, you were as good as your last party. And I take every party like it's the first. 30 years in this two-mile area, so a lot of people must know each other. Okay, so here's my big question. How do you make each party unique? I start with the client and a little seed that they give me, what they're looking for. Every single event is different because every client's different. I never want someone to walk into a party and say that it didn't look like the client. However, oh, that's interesting. people yeah. do walk in and say, I know this is a normal current party because I, I guess people notice a difference from what they saw the night before the night after. <laughs> right. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but people will know that I touched this party differently than someone else's. And I'm putting myself into the parties. I'm not giving this to a dozen people in an office. I think about this all day, all night till it's perfect. So you really are putting you into it. It's not like Norma Cohn Productions is 800 people that you, that you sub out no. to. <laughs> a lot of times I'll have a meeting with a florist and we'll, we'll come up with some ideas together. Right. But basically, you know, I'm in charge of the total look and experience. I love what you said that someone will walk into a room and know that it's them. 100%. As well as they can walk in and know that it's a Norma Cohn. So it's a combination of their idea and your refining it. I always need a seed from them. I'm going to tell you a funny story. You need a what? A seed. Oh, a seed. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you a funny story. I would say 15 years ago, a woman came to hire me. It was her second wedding or third. And she always gave me full reign. I said, but you have to tell me something. (laughs) She says, I want dark and sexy. So I said, okay. That's it? That's it. So at the time, ombre was very hot. What's up? What's ombre? Ombre is like, let's say white going into gray, dark gray. Anyway, so she walks into the party and she's wearing a gray organza ombre ruffled gown. And I have a heart attack. And I said, I think you need to come into the ballroom. I have to show you something. My 330 chair backs 
were organza, ombre, gray, chairbacks, <gasps> ruffled. It looked like her dress. Exactly. Wow. It looked like it could have been the shawl of her gown. So I go, do you want me to take them off? She goes, nah, I love it. She never wanted to know anything, so she never saw it. But the coincidence that you use this ombre. That's how much I knew her. Wow. And that's really the whole idea, that you have to make the party look like the person. Yeah, yeah. I have two daughters. My weddings all look like me. Totally. (laughs) But this is about them and their daughters. Right. And what they feel like they'd be comfortable in. My very big number one ingredient to a successful party is the flow of the party. The necessary ingredients in the right place. In other words, where the bar going? Where's the food going? Oh, you mean physically the flow? Physically. Where the dance floor is going? Where the band is going? It's very easy to hire all these people and put them in a room. But really, the talent is putting them in the right position. That's what makes the party fun and exciting. And that's, at the end of the day, the goal of the night. And the reason why I'm so good at it is I love to party. I feel like I'm envisioning myself in this party. Where would I want the bar to be? Where would I want the band to be? I did a very, very large presentation about two years ago on the flow of the party. Yeah. And no one ever spoke about it before because it's the most important thing. It's funny. When I think of flow, I think of the schedule flow. My flow is the flow of the night. Yeah. The flow of the room physically. How are you getting to the table? So in other words, you don't have to walk in between tables to get to the bar. Right. Flow of the night on a on agenda and itinerary is also very important, right. but not as as important as when you get into the room. The actual layout right. of the room. Like you can't put a couch in front of the door because you can't get through. <laughs> yeah. Even if you put it two feet in front, it's still going to be an eyesore and still detour you from getting through. How do you go about trying to make every party unique? Like you say, you do multiple parties in one family. I do multiple parties almost every week for the same audience and almost the same venue. I know that is brutal. I mean... 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I was always faced with having to do a new party every day because the entire audience saw it the night before. Colleagues that did the same thing and friends, they didn't have the same audience. And they could do the same centerpiece and sell it 20 times because there was no social media. Today, everybody is the same. The wedding doesn't even start, and it's on social media. So today, we're all the same. We're all designing, and we could only design it once because nobody wants an old wedding. And if it's in, on Instagram, within seconds, it's old. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I have a problem with it that I, I feel like people that come to an event have no respect that why would they put it on Instagram when the bride didn't even come down yet? They're still taking family pictures. Like, oh, you're not even exaggerating. They literally put it on Instagram I'm not before it even happens. It's terrible. So wow. sometimes we make like a no social media policy, but no one really listens. <laughs> and uh, I really wish that one day someone could get up and say, these are the etiquettes of being a guest at a party. Don't put it on social media. Don't walk into a party with a $10,000 Oscar de la Renta dress and have your phone in your hand. It's just not nice. Buy yourself a purse, a pocketbook, give it to your husband, and, and give the couple and the, and the guest your attention. It really bothers me. See these people, they put months and months into their dresses. They did their hair and their makeup, and then they walk in with a cell phone. It's very lovely, but who are you calling? The music's <laughs> way too loud to talk on the telephone. And why are you taking pictures when the guest hair for them didn't even arrive yet? Right, exactly. Okay. So, that's my phone thing. And when people see me with my phone, 
I'm working a party and I'm embarrassed and I don't like it and I'm uncomfortable, but I have no choice because if someone's trying to locate me, right. that's how they locate me. I don't wear a headphone or earpiece because I'm trying to be under the radar as well. I don't want anybody to know I did the wedding. No one really knows if I did it or not. So I need a phone in my hand just in case someone's looking for me. Yeah, sure. Someone's stuck in the service elevator yeah. <laughs> at the PR hotel. Right. right. What do you think of all these new places that are open, especially here in Brooklyn? There's all these brand new venues. It's incredible. Like every day I get a call from another one. I have a lot to say about new venues. I love new venues, but somebody would come to me and say, I want to be different. I want something new, but it might not fit their game plan. I tell them different is dangerous. You can't fit 600 people in this new venue that fits 200 just because it's new and different. But these new spaces that are opening, each one will suit a different clientele. Some of them are 200 people, some are six, some are 1,000. They're all going to be great, but for each you know, individual clients. Right. There's right. no cookie-cutter answer. Unless it's a specific ballroom of a place. Like I think we had talked before, like, for example, uh, the, the Pierre Hotel. Or... So I hate to be biased. Besides Bill and Chris and Chris <laughs> Hamilton and all the great people that work there, yeah. the room really works. There are no... It works. It has everything that you would want. It's near where a lot of people live, Upper East Side. Yeah. It has several rooms, separated. Right. You have cocktails, you have ceremonies. Different you floors. Have, and each room is another experience. It's a surprise. And it's, it really works. People think it's like, oh, it's old, it has been, we've been there. But every time I try and I recreate the room and nobody really knows where they are. There's a lot of great venues in the city, a lot. But my crowd is at least 600 plus, And I can't really fit them in some of the ballrooms in Manhattan. Oh, okay. So a lot of these new spaces that are open like Long Island City or in, in, in here in Brooklyn, that'll fit maybe 200 seated. It's going to be way too small for you. Right. So your average size party is, is as big as 600? Six to 1,000. I mean, I could fit 1,000 in the PR, so I'll probably go somewhere else. But between five and 600. How does that equate to the number of people seated? Okay, so the clientele I work for, I would say 70% do a buffet dinner, which means you have 50% of the seats and people are able to get hot new food at their leisure. Now, there's people that say this is horrible. I did a party <laughs> last week and this woman came over to me and said, okay, it's magnificent. The food is delicious, but I don't have a table. So I said, but the place is empty. No one's sitting. She says, yeah, but I like to go and sit with my friends. I can't find them. A lot of times I've done seated 600 and at, within 40 minutes, half the tables are empty. So you spend a lot of foolish money because every table needs a set to piece, a tablecloth, chargers, a napkin. So it's a lot more expensive. And at the end of the day, you're dancing on the dance floor and you see a sea of empty tables is not very glamorous. That is so interesting. In, in the podcast that I did with David Bean, a good friend of yours, he goes through a list of every item that's on a table, you know, the charger, the different plates, the different glasses, the different stemware, the different the centerpieces, you know, he's counting up to be like tens of thousands of items throughout the night. Right. So how do you decide like who sits or you don't decide? I usually do a reserve for family table. And again, I really know my clientele a lot or if I don't, I get to know. Mm -hmm. And I'll know that there's somebody that's elderly that needs a table. It's very important that the elders sit. So that's my goal right after ceremony. Oh, I go yeah. into the ballroom and I make sure that my elders are going to be taken care of 
once they're seated, I'm I'm okay to go do the rest of my work. Now you do that. You're like like you're like aware. myself because I don't trust anybody. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very 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 smart. And so many times I'll get a text the next day and they'll say, Norma, wedding was beautiful, food was great, really didn't matter. You took care of my mother, my father, my grandmother, and that to me was just that's everything over the top. And that's really the priority are those little things. So you have to know the the guest list right. I, I, almost, I, I, almost as importantly as anything. Again, eighty percent I know everybody's family. I oh, you know, literally know the people. I know the people. I know that their grandmother is elderly. I know this grandmother's might come in a wheelchair. Right, right, right. Um, there was an a individual family that I've done a million parties for, and he had special specifications on the table. Such as? Pickups, hors d'oeuvres, crudités. Oh, exactly what he wanted. Right. And I'll never forget, the man is 97 years old. His name was on the table. His son was paying for the wedding. And people sat on the table. I thought it was like scratching my head saying, oh, these people are crazy. It says the man's name. They know he's 98. They know he's a legend, probably of the whole community. Right. And they sat there. So wow. after that day, I decided that I need two security guards on these important tables. So you actually use an actual security guard. An actual security guard. And then some people get like nasty, like, we are family, but you're not. You're 20 years old, and this is not for, that doesn't mean you're family. This <laughs> right. is for your grandmother and your parents and your possible older sister that could be in her 40s, not 20. Yeah, yeah. These are the things that matter. These are the things that people care about. So Feeling would, would you, you your security guard would have like a list of people that he has to take care of? He knows who they are. He right before the ceremony, I'll say, this, 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 this. You see these people going down? Mm -hmm. They are priority. You follow them and you take them to their table. Oh, wow. That, that really makes them feel special, too. Of course. They are. Well, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a wedding. Yes. Yeah, we course. wouldn't have these children. Now, where do you, in terms of the flow of the party, where do you put them so they're not blasted up by the music, but then, then again, they're close enough to the action so exactly that definitely away from the speakers uh -huh. and definitely bullseye to the dance floor oh, so they could see what's happening right so they feel like they're part of it so if you have 600 people and how many people seated about i probably do 300 but a lot of people they go to the bar they have a drink they're on the dance floor for 45 minutes there's no bride and groom so i have all that real estate they're schmoozing they're showing off their dress right. the new jewelry they just bought it's a social scene and by the, you know I, I think it's great because seated events you sit down most of the night mm -hmm. you might as well not buy a new dress just a 12 that's really true 12 actually. inches from your neck down is what they see <laughs> And the rest is, you know, needs a, a steamer when you get up. I'm just saying that every, there's two sides to every story. Sure. I personally like a buffet. I don't think I like a tremendous crowd. My son's bar mitzvah, I did his bar mitzvah at the Brooklyn Museum. Uh -huh. And I did seated buffet, which was, I did groups of 60 people with 30 seats. I put everybody's friends together in one area. Every oh. group of, of people, like my friends, my mother's friends. Oh, okay. The, yeah. the cousins, mm -hmm. my grand. Everybody had their section. Right. They had a bar. It worked. <laughs> everybody found their people instantly instead of walking around all night looking for their friends. Wow, that's very cool. It was great. I would do that again. I think that's the best way. So you literally. So how many bars was it actually? I so mean, the, it was divided into eight colors. 
and I did uh, gray was my neutral color, and then mm -hmm. brights, purple, pink, blue, green, yellow. So each table had a chair back that was with that color, and then I sent it to that color table. Nice. Oh, wow. Oh, so everything matched? Of course. Yeah. So you say, of course, because this is all new to me. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it, it worked out well. I mean, what I find most fascinating about this whole process of doing the podcast is talking to everybody's specialty because I've spent the same 30 years. All I care about is the dance floor. I'm looking for the bride because if the bride's on the dance floor, she's like a magnet and everyone else will get on the dance floor. Whenever I see a bride leave the dance floor, I go, oh no, you go right back. <laughs> because if you're leaving the dance floor, everyone's leaving the dance floor. Thank you. I want to, I want to do your parties. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, yeah, I, I, the minute they leave, I go, you cannot. If the host and the bride and the groom are not on the dance floor and not inviting people to dance, then it's not going to work. The bride is like queen for a day, and the groom is just another guy in a tux. That's true. <laughs> I mean, the bride is wearing a, this amazing white dress that she could spend anywhere between 3000 and a million dollars on. Yes. What's an, what does an expensive dress cost? Oh, I don't know. But, I just well, made those numbers up. Do you have any? You must know. I, I'm not really into the fashion. That's why I get along with my clients so well because they're so busy with their gowns that they don't bother with me. Oh, so you don't, you don't go Fashion with... became like very much more important than the wedding. Everybody wants to look gorgeous. So really that's what the... the... I see these new fashions where people are wearing... It looks like negligees. It's almost like see-through I know, but gowns. we don't do it's that. Like... When I got married 30 years ago, I wore this big, humongous tool butterfly gown <laughs> with fringes coming off the, all the shoulders with giant shoulder pads. And my Shave husband said head. I was wearing a lampshade. <laughs> oh. And he's in the trimming business, Emma J. Trimmings, and he said after the fact, I hated that dress. Oh, nice. It's very classic. We, I, when I show people my dress, I got married in the 80s, it's something funny. Right, right, right. right. They you all know, laugh at it? Everybody. And my hair was out to, to tomorrow. But that's all we... we oh, the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just very funny. Go, go look at a couple of those movies. Simple. Like, I, I don't love the, all this whole simple look. I, I kind of like a little making the bride look like a bride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it evolves. I'm so glad that you said that because the bride really is the magnet of, for, of for the party. I mean, they're the, you know, they're the center of everything. We spoke about this that my brides are very young also. Right. And you asked me who I'm working with to plan my parties. Yeah. And I told you I plan with the parents, and you were shocked. Yeah, yeah. So, again, 20% of my weddings, I'm dealing with a bride, and 80, I'm dealing with the mother of the bride or the father of the bride. They're just too young to know. To know, yeah. If like young, you're brides, talking 18, 19. 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. A, a 19-year-old cannot possibly understand the whole picture. They can understand part of the picture, right? But they can't understand the full picture. They can know how they want to look. As opposed to somebody like me or their parents, who's double their age, it. yeah, and they know. How hands-on are you in terms of things like makeup, flowers? I don't do makeup, but I do all the flowers. But you'll get vendors that. Oh that yes. Do? No, I do everything except buy their dress and put their makeup on. Because uh, some planners do that. They'll literally go nah. with with, don't they? I they don't, yes. they I don't literally do that. take a That's where to... I cross the line. <laughs> that's very smart. I, I, that seems That's why we get along me. so well. Yeah. Even myself, my son got married two months ago. I was buying a dress. And I'm not really fussy with what I wear. I'm an online shopper. I 
do mail order all day long. The dresses come out back and forth. But for the wedding, I had a vision. I went to a designer. And I think I tortured the guy. I think he doesn't ever want to see me ever again. <laughs> and I couldn't believe that that's what I became, something that I never thought I would. But you really want to be comfortable. You want to... I didn't want to be too risque. Right. I, a week before the wedding, he like looked at me and said, I think you should go find yourself another dress. Wow. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. Wait, it's, this is your son? The, oh, wow. No, the designer. I became like my worst nightmare of a client. Like, <laughs> But the truth is, it's it was important. I, I, I wanted to look elegant and not risque. And, you know, and I was concerned about it. So yeah. in turn, I kept redoing things and it wasn't pleasant. So you don't want to be in competition with the with the no, bride. No, I just wanted to be classy. Yeah. Oh, and then the best part was uh, my my daughter-in-law's mother came in with the same exact colored tulle dress from no Paris. Way. We were cracking up, and she's so tall, and I'm so short, <laughs> and I'm blonde, and she's brunette, and we were cracking up. I go, no one, anyone would have lost money to think we would come in the same color, the same wow. organza, but it looked great for the pictures, and it was a lot of fun. So how many kids do you have? I have four. Wow. Yes. How many of each? I have two and two. I have two boys, two girls. So who did their weddings? Who planned their weddings? I only have this one wedding that I just, that he just got married. The rest are single. Okay. And available. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> um, and how old are they? My first son is 28. Uh, he'll be 29 in April. Mm-hmm. I have two daughters. One will be 23 in February. And my next daughter will be 20 in 20. Wow. So my son's wedding was a group effort, and they did it in the museum at the Met. On Fifth Avenue. In like 82nd. Yeah. yeah. So they have a rule that you have to use a particular planner. Her name is Leslie Price. The name of her company is in any event. And originally they came to me and they said, they have these, my, my son's future uh, his in-laws, I worked with them before. So Not future anymore. Right there now. <laughs> I worked with them before on their other daughter's wedding, which was at the library, New York Public Library. And um, so they came to me and they said, we're in this awkward position. They're making us use this person, but we want you to do it. Right. We use you and it's your son's wedding. Yeah. So Leslie was amazing. And we partnered up. And she did a lot of the hard details, which was very hard. She did the logistics of yeah. the deliveries, and they have a, a million questions they ask. I've done a bunch of parties in, in there. It's, it's difficult. And David Bean was the florist because he did the last wedding with us, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were also an amazing team, and they were all so nervous about me. Everybody was nervous. I go, don't worry. <laughs> Why are they nervous? fine. Because they thought that it was difficult for me to share responsibilities. But I really wanted to enjoy the night, and I wanted, and the bride is so, so, so talented. She designed every single part of the party, literally drew it, and it came to life. The bride? She, amazing. Do you she, design, is she in, in She's in artistic, she's in Barnard. She's oh, very, she just happens to be? Very creative. Very creative and, and right. controlled. So she literally designed the whole, everything. So, like the, the ceremony, the hoopah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. She drew it, and that was that. People wow. thought... Um, that, it, that it was there already because it was so natural. Wow. We actually did the ceremony at Cooper Ewitt because they don't let religious ceremonies in the Met. So we did it in the garden of the Cooper Ewitt and then we went six blocks to the Met after. Right. But she designed these two willow trees that people thought were 
part of the garden. She designed willow trees. Amazing. Made of what? Uh, David did something gorgeous. Oh, no kid. Oh, so it wasn't an actual willow tree. It was. Okay. I mean, it was, it was real, but he made it. Yeah. And now I have three more children wow. available. But that's great that, that Leslie worked. It's what, sort of like what you told me last time. It's like that we have this amazing industry that everybody works with each other. We have an industry like no other. I believe that I don't see any other industry that people that do the same exact thing get along so well and have such respect and share information. It's very unique. A few years ago, Preston Maley invited me to a trip in Puglia for engaged summits. It was in a hotel called the Borgo Ignazia. Mm -hmm. Fantastic hotel. Harper's Bazaar interviewed me last week. Oh, wow. And I, wrote, and I spoke about how amazing the facility is and the whole town. Anyway, so we went. I will find that and I'll list it in the show notes. Oh, thank you. So um, I went with Preston there. For two days, I didn't know anybody. First, I met a great guy on the, on the, in the airport on the check-in line. And I said... Well, oh, this is the story for Engage. Yes. You so, want to describe Engage for people who is, don't know? Engage um, is an event summit. All the people in the industry from music, event planners, florists, bands. Worldwide. Worldwide. And everybody comes and gathers together to either speak and people learn from you or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of off time that you get to socialize and meet people and accumulate new friends. I met this very lovely, magnificent man, Christian Arth, on the line of American Airlines. Christian Arth, the photographer. And I said, where you go? I, I'm a little chatty. I was by myself. And I said, where are you going? <laughs> and he says, I'm going to engage some. I go, oh, me too. What do you do? He says, I'm a photographer. He doesn't say his name. He doesn't say how amazing he is. Long story short, we get on the plane. We're both in the front of the plane. And I see David Beam walking on the plane too. And suddenly I got this. Had you known David before? So I suddenly just remember that we just did a wedding, David Beam, Christian Arth, and myself, for the same family that I just discussed in the New York Public Library. So I go, wow, this is a really small world. What, what, who would even thought? So right now I only knew like three people in this whole summit of 400. And for two days straight, I just walked around. And whenever Preston came out, I was his date. And when he didn't come out, I was strolling the streets. So you just... So just one day we were yourself. at the pool, and I met this woman. Her name is Michelle Rago from Michelle Rago Destinations, an event planner, also amazing. And we started talking about my husband and what he does, and I mentioned M&J Trimmings, and she went crazy. Your husband owns M&J Trimmings? Do you know what kind of store that is? My mother made my wedding gown there, and then I did a lot of my stuff for my parties there, and she went around the whole pool introducing me as the wife of Emma J. Trimmings. She totally forgot that I was Norma Cohen from Norma Cohen Productions. <laughs> but from that minute on, everybody started to talk to me and become my friend. And now we're very friendly. And uh, I'm so grateful for her because she opened the door to all these great, amazing people. And since that day, we've we socialized together. I've had them for dinner in my home with my family. And uh, they became part of my family too. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. So, Michelle does, isn't she famous for destination yes, weddings? Yes, she's mostly? Michelle Rago Destination. Right, so I have to meet her. You need to meet her. <laughs> I, I told you you need to meet Colin Cowie and right. Marcy Bloom and Brian Raffanelli. Brian is uh, a very colorful man. I met him also on an engaged summit or a fam trip, which is, fam means uh, to familiarize yourself with a place you're invited 
and you spend like a week together. So oh, wow. this poor man got stuck with me. Every meal they would put us together by mistake. <laughs> and we would chit-chat. And finally, after seven days, he said, ah, she's not so bad. And we became friends. <laughs> and I adore days. him. You know, he just came out with a book, The Art of the Party. Oh, okay, great. And my friend is also coming out with a book, but not in the party industry. And I said, I called up Brian. I go, Brian, you think you could call to speak to my friend about what you do to come out with this book? Like, you make parties and you have to walk, go to different conventions. And, yeah. and I put them together and they were on the phone for two hours he doesn't even know her. Wow. And he did it for me. He's very special. And then we have David Stark, who's amazing. He's unbelievable. And no one knows what he does. He has, like, takes a regular loose-leaf paper and can make it into the most magnificent party. Or toilet paper, paper rolls. Or paint cans. Literally. But literally. And he's nice. He's nice. <laughs> That's, he's, I love that you say that. because there's, Not everybody's nice. Not everybody is nice. No. A lot of people are not nice. I don't, I'm not going to tell you who, but I, I, was a few <laughs> well, years back, a client told me I would like to use so-and-so. So I didn't know they were an event planner. I didn't even know that what they did. I figured they were a decorator. So I called the office, and they literally would not take an appointment with me. And I went back to the client, and I said, he won't work with me. She goes, well, his loss. And I'm on my third event with these people, and did he lose out? Because we used somebody else. Amazing events. Probably one of the top of all time. And I don't know why he was so snooty about it. We could have merged. What would it Just for been? the event. You're not even talking about merging right. permanently. Exactly. It's funny because at the end of the day, I look at him and go, wow, how foolish. So so if someone is listening to this as a bride or a parent of the bride, is there what is the difference between a designer, coordinator, a party planner? Okay. Is, is there a difference? Yes. So when okay. I started... Mm -hmm. I was an organizer. I was 12 years old. I was planning events for a community center in Brooklyn. I was donating my time, raising money for... Literally 12 years old. Literally. And <laughs> I was raising money for this center so that... Like a charity. A charity. Yeah. So for four good years, I planned plays and fashion shows and parties wow. and proms. To raise money. And for... trips to raise money. We would we'd spend money and we'd raise money. Sure. And then when I was 16, 17, I opened up a company called Party Expressions. So basically my talent was strictly organizing. Budgets, numbers, hiring, firing. I wasn't a designer. Right. And over the years, my... Wait, what was Party Expressions? What, what did you say? What was so Party Expressions is a company and I used to do smaller parties. Is this uh, the one on the Jersey Shore that yes. you were talking about? So okay. I did bar mitzvahs. Baby born parties, girls or boys. Girl and you would party. supply all the stuff for it, or you would actually. So originally I was just an organizer. And mm -hmm. then when I was 19 years old, I was going to open up a store called Party Expressions at the Jersey Shore. And I was going to start to sell balloons and all kinds of party accessories. But simultaneously, I met my husband Michael that year. And I went to him right before summer, mid, mid June. And I said, um, Michael of MJ. Trimmings, <laughs> Cohen, Michael Cohen. Right. And I said, uh, are you in or you're out? Summer's starting and I need to know. He right. said, I would get engaged in seven days, but you need to go out of business. I can't be married to a woman that works nights and weekends. So that day I closed, I never opened, so I went, I called And in this industry, yeah, you really do work seven That's days right. a week. Right. 
So we got engaged two weeks later. <laughs> You're kidding. And we got married in December. And I started working. I was always working for my dad's apparel business. And I worked for him for like a year. What and kind I of was apparel? A children's apparel. Oh, that's ha the Haddad. 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 Yes, right. Okay. Yeah, Nike and Jordan and Converse. And he has a Crayola. Oh, yeah. Levi's. He still has it? Right now. Wow. So uh, anyway, after a year, I went, somebody called me to do a party. And I went over to my husband. And I said, I'm miserable. I'm absolutely miserable. This is not for me. You're just sitting home. Sitting home, sleeping late. So he agreed. And since that day, he's been very encouraging because having four kids from the, from the day they were born and being a working mom, you have to be very involved. So he took a great role in the, in the partnership. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of girls will come to me and say, how do you micromanage working and being a mom? And you definitely need a good partner because, like, he did a lot of the homework with them and he was there helping them with their tests. Even if I was home, I wouldn't be able to do that. It wasn't <laughs> one of my strong points. Oh, that's great. So, that's great. And then through the years, I went from being an organizer to being a designer. From doing so many parties, I started becoming creative, and then I started designing. Right. And today, I'm like the exact opposite of organized. I'm a designer, and my organization skills are not the best. <laughs> right. Because I'm a terrible delegator, and I do everything myself, and it's all in my head. I'll do a three-hour meeting, and the people will walk out and say, do you know you didn't write one thing down? How are you going to remember that? And I'm like, oh, wow. I yeah. do. So it's quite it evolved, and I do think there's a big difference between a designer versus event planner, and I happen to be doing both, right. and I love doing both. I think it's So a designer in. literally takes it from the very first inception, exactly. like you said, the seed. Right. And the experience, the entire experience, and what, what, what is it going to feel like from the front door till they leave? And you're constantly dealing with this, with the same person, like the mother or the, the bride. Right. The okay. That's all starting to make sense. Yeah. So uh, what is M&J Trimmings? M&J Trimmings is a retail store with a wholesale division. It's four generations. It's okay. M&J, Michael and Joe. My husband's grandfather is Michael. And my father-in-law's name is Joe. That's what the initials are for. Ribbons, tassels, for obviously crystals, feathers. Right now, it's really hot. So when Michelle said she, she got her, the stuff for her wedding there. She probably got her crown, her wedding crown. Ribbon, maybe. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Uh, appliques, sequins. Any, they have everything. Anything you would ever dream of. It's an amazing place. So it's really fabric? It's not really fabric. It's ribbons and feathers and crystals Tons of buttons and ornaments. And in the heyday, a lot of designers would go there and get ideas. And then that would be their prototype because they went to M&J and they saw these great items. Your husband didn't mind that? They purchased from him. Oh, Hundreds so of thousands, won't. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Does he get credit for... Or the, no, you don't, he just you makes money. To. Yeah. That's, Who that's, wants credit? Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> I'd much rather get money than credit. Oh, yeah. So that's three generations. So let's start with his grandfather. Right. And his father. father. And him. And now, yeah. It's a that family business. That is so business. funny. Works with his brothers. So how did you, how did you hook up with, how did you hook up? How did you connect with like, like Colin Cowie or these people? I met who, him in Or Darcy Miller or. Oh, Darcy Miller. You must. She's, she's great. I she's, told you that. Right. We, we had planned it. She's, the most, she's so talented and she's really the only one that does what she's doing. I'm amazed by her. 
That's you said about and David Stark uh, doing different yeah, things. Yeah, they do a lot of things together. Actually, they're very oh, no good kidding. friends. Yeah. Oh wow. Darcy's great, and she's very sweet. She's very respectful. She barely knew me, but always said hello. And now we know each other. We actually bumped into each other on Madison Avenue. She invited me over for Thanksgiving turkey. Oh no kidding. Yes, um, but I I met these people through engaged, and then Colin's like one of my best friends. And he's, he's getting married to Danny, and Michael and I go out for dinner with them all the time. We love them. He's one of those magical names that you hear all the time. He's amazing. Yeah. He's so chic. And your good friend, Sylvia. I love that woman. Sylvia is an icon in, the, in this whole party world. She also has a lot to say about being a parent and working, and your husband being involved. Her life story is incredible. And she's not stopping. Ben passed away, and she has a whole nother. I, she said years. she was almost married for seventy years. She said. And now she's on a new journey. I'm sure you, she spoke about it. I can't wait to hear it. Oh, it's it's great. Just so you know who Norma is, we had just met a couple of weeks ago, and something happened with my recording, so I had to ask her to do it again, <laughs> which is what we're sitting here. Now, a lot of people say, "Oh, you have to meet so and so," and it never goes anywhere. See, I was going to say this when you're not here, but I might as well compliment you to your face. Norma literally said, you have to call Sylvia and her daughter, Ellen Weldon, who is this amazing... Papery invitation. Yeah, what is she? I, I never... I always, I'm I never not sure the correct Stationary. Stationary. I don't know. She does amazing invitations. Invitations, okay. So I figured, okay, that's great. So maybe someday I'll, I'll be able to connect with the famous Sylvia Weinstock, the ultimate legend in this industry. And... The moment I turned off the microphones, you took out your cell phone without asking me. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. And you said, Sylvia, hi. I hope you're having a good day. You have to meet my new friend, Doug Winters. He's got a podcast. He's a band leader. He's great. You have to sit down with him and talk. You talked for another minute. He said, okay, here's the number. Call her on your way home. Four days later, I was sitting in Sylvia Weinstock's living room, and she was amazing. We, I, I could have stayed there for three days. She has so much to learn from. She's really incredible. I actually, when she spoke and engaged, I loved it so much. I invited it to my home, and I invited the woman from the community. I took all my furniture out, and I said, everyone has to hear her. She has so much to teach, and there's so many girls today that want to have a career and they need that encouragement. When I started working, a working woman was like a disaster in this community in Brooklyn. Really? It was like, how could you work? What kind of mother are you gonna be? What no kind kidding. of wife are you okay. gonna be? Wow. I got through it and I'm very proud of my children. And um, I wanna encourage women to work. And today's day, everyone needs a dual income. Everything's just so expensive. That is true. So she came and gave a lot of girls strength to continue their journey, which, is very important, and especially going into 2020. Oh, that's perfect. So I'm going to have to put out yours, and then I'll, and then like maybe the same day I'll put out Sylvia's because you, you talk about the same things. Yes, it's, it's so amazing. Important. Yeah, because she talks about Ben been, being a lawyer and then getting involved in the business. That she they has were a literally video. partners. She has I, a video of him delivering the cakes. Him personally, yeah. literally carrying. Cutest guy I ever layers. saw. We used to go for dinner with them too, and Michael. 
you know, that's what's great. These the, the colleagues became friends. Yeah. And my clients became family. And everything comes around and goes around. It's well, amazing. you know, it's great. We were having a conversation about after we turned off the mics and we were talking about politics and stuff like that. And I, and we happened to think the same way. And so I, I told her about this great book. And I got a hold of the book. And I sent it to her. And she she texted me, you know, immediately. It's like, of course, this is so beautiful. So I just got a card literally today. As I was driving here, my wife called and said, she got this beautiful card from Sylvia Weinstock. It's a New Yorker magazine uh, cartoon. And inside it says, thanks so much for the, something like the conversation, the book, and the friendship. Yeah, she's amazing. You know, I, I feel like I made a friend, you know, for life. And she said, next month, she has this big birthday. Ooh. Big round birthday. Wow. So we have to, she said she wanted to go for dinner, so we should exactly. celebrate. Exactly, so we have stuff. to go out to dinner. Give me a closing piece of advice for the young bride out there. Aside from stay on the dance floor or I'll kill you. So, <laughs> um, I really feel that a bride and a mother of the bride should be involved to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Because once you start micromanaging too much, you lose the vision of whoever's designing your wedding. We call it a mabat grill. It's an Israeli restaurant that has different meats that you could put on a kebab. And that's a disaster. So <laughs> basically, you want to keep the person that's designing in one lane. I know that I also told you this, that through my years I evolved. Mm-hmm. I used to think flowers everywhere was a very big deal. Right. And one day I went to somebody's party and they used someone else and they were literally copying my style. And I looked at this table and I go, oh, this is so horrible. I will never do this again. (laughs) And I realized that less is more, that people, that doesn't mean it has to be so much. People don't appreciate that. Yeah. They like less is more. They like chic and sophisticated. I live my life always, every day, trying to get better, improve myself. No one's ever going to be perfect. Right. We're not. So where do you get yours ideas from? Do you go into Michael's store? No, no. M&J trimmings? <laughs> I just get them as I do parties. I think of something else. And, and, the, and the upstairs God, to be honest, I'm very thankful. Well, Norma, thank you so much for this. This is all great. Who am I calling next? Oh, you should call them all. Okay. And then we should do it all together. We'll have a, a, the funniest podcast. That would be great. If everybody was around. We're sitting table. at this beautiful, gorgeous living room table, dining room table? Dining room. This would be, that would be we'll amazing. We'll do that one day. After you go through all of them privately, we'll do yeah. a group. I love it. And you'll be very shocked to see that how everybody just gets along and just towards each other. Oh, that's fantastic. And I can't wait for you to for us to do a party together. I'd, I'd love Let's you to hear it. my band so we could see how really see how each other works. Yes. I love it. Thanks so much. You You've got, been great. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Norma, who clearly was fighting a cold that entire episode. But being the trooper that she is, she made it through. I cannot thank her enough. And I can't thank you enough for listening to each of these episodes and participating. So please subscribe to the pod, spread the word. Next up is Sylvia Weinstock, who I just told you the story that Norma introduced me to. As usual, you can find me on Instagram at Doug Winters Inc. And my website is DougWintersMusic.com. 
Norma can be found at Norma Cohen Productions on Instagram. And her website is, not coincidentally, Norma Cohen Productions. Once again, Happy New Year to everybody out there. I'll see you next time.